Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're speaking with Rena May and Heidi Bach, the co-founders of May May Jewelry. In this super fun episode, we find out how these business partners combine their unique skills and ideas to create a business and jewelry line that is truly differentiated from other brands. They also share some pretty awesome advice on bringing a product to market and how not to do wholesale. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're enjoying the podcast so far. It means the world to us and we'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Rena and Heidi. How are you guys today? Hi! (laughs) (laughs) And you're calling in separately (laughs) to the studios. So where are you calling in from respectively? L.A., baby. Yeah, in L.A. (laughs) So both of you are in the L.A. area? Yes. Okay. Different parts of L.A. or same kind of neighborhood? Literally eight minutes from each other, so it's pretty much the same thing. Just so everyone can kind of distinguish between you both, could you just introduce yourself in your voice? So that we know who's who. who. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is Rena May, and this is my voice. Just to give you a narrative, if you want to see, I'm a five foot two Filipino girl with long, beautiful brown hair. Gorgeous. Oh, nice. <laughs> and how about you, Heidi? I love that. I am Heidi, and yeah, what what else do you need to know? That's, <laughs> That's what you sound like. This is Heidi's voice. Yeah. That is Heidi's voice. This word. is what I sound like. I didn't know if you wanted to give yourself a hair plug as well. Or. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I feel like I should because I am having a pretty good hair day today. Oh, good. Nice. But my grays are growing in like probably most of us around the world who don't have our hairstylists anymore. So. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that sucks. So you guys have a really cool company together, um, a jewelry line, jewelry that loves you back, as you sure say. Do. Yeah. So we want to hear all about you. We want to know your stories. Um, since Rena went first, we'll just go ahead and start with Rena first. What is your story? Tell us all about you. Yeah. So um, I grew up a city girl and I went to college and I always knew I was going to do business. I was an entrepreneur. I was always like class president and all of those kind of things. So I did everything that the world told me to do. I got a really good job after going to university and then I got married and I made a lot of money and I did things and I traveled. And then I was stuck at like between the ages of 28 and 32 saying, this is not it. Mm -hmm. Whoever told me that peddling this financial business stuff based on the patriarchy sold me a lie, okay, Mm. (laughs) because I was not happy. And so I took two years off of my life. I started different companies. I dibbled, I dabbled. And the one thing that I never knew how to do is feel. I grew up from a first generation Asian family and you don't feel, you just go to college, you go to school and you work. And Maymay for me was the most cathartic thing that I ever did. It allowed me to feel I made a necklace one day that said trust on it and I gave it to my sister for the holidays 
And she's all like, May, you should go sell this at the farmer's market. And I was like, who the hell does that? You know, I'm used to in the <laughs> finance world. We're big. We're fast money. We're $10,000 sales. Mm. And I did that day. And I swear, it filled my heart with so much joy. And from that moment, I decided that I'm going to be who I am for a living and not be afraid to feel. So fast forward 10 years later, here we are. We have a freaking dope ass business. That <laughs> I love al- that. <laughs> it really, it allows people to be where they are and feel what they need to feel yeah. knowing that they're freaking amazing. Yeah. Like how cool is that? So cool. You're our first guest to describe their business as a dope ass business. And I fully support oh. that description. <laughs> it is Thank so you. Yeah. It, actually, it's amazing that in 50 guests, 50 women's businesses, this yeah. is the first time that someone has actually like said the truth that yeah. it's a dope ass business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds you so silly me in my yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've got a We love it. I mean, business. we have a yeah. piece called <laughs> It's awesome. Yes. Like one of our best sellers is a piece called You're Dope. Because yeah. That's so good. So, okay. So (laughs) fill in, I want to know some of the fill in the blanks here. So I think, first of all, I think it's really interesting that you talk about being a first generation um, from immigrant parents, like first generation American, and how that shapes Mm -hmm. your perception of success. Because we actually have had other people describe Mm. that journey when they were kind of leaving the corporate world to become entrepreneurs. That is a big, it sounds like a very big hurdle. What was that like? Oh, I think it's it's really big because it's it's frowned upon. Yeah. It's like you have this really good job. It's super secure. Uh-huh. You have good benefits. You have all this stuff. And you're going to leave it to go start what? Yeah. Mm. Based on what? And it was just like, you know, in my culture, it's like you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you're an accountant. That's really it. Mm. Right. Wow. So to be this was really kind of like the black sheep of the family, I would definitely have to say. Did you feel a lot of anxiety to like tell your parents what you were going to do? I kind of really don't tell them much. I kind of just (laughs) let it go. And then I just watch them watch it be successful. And they just kind of brace themselves like, oh, shoot, there she goes again. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. So good. Yeah. I mean, I have I have Midwestern parents and they're like, you know, I'm like their crazy daughter. They're <laughs> wild, crazy daughter that lives in different places and travels. I love it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because at some point, I think, when you're defining your life, you have to say, okay, I was taught that this was happiness and success or whatever. This is not working for me. I could either subject myself to judgment or I could just continue to live and, you know, kind of spend less time explaining myself. And it sounds like that's what you did. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And and I also realized like we can do anything. Like I wasn't, I didn't grow up where there were a whole bunch of different people doing a whole bunch of different entrepreneurial things. Uh-huh. So I didn't really know what really being an entrepreneur was. I didn't have the best example. So I have to just keep creating it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is, and so many women say that not only like people who weren't around a lot of entrepreneurs, but Mm -hmm. people who weren't around a lot of women leaders. Like I, we hear that all the time. It's like, I, there was no one for me to follow. So I just kept like guessing Mm. (laughs) and trying. Totally. Yeah. But I think even now in today's climate, like with our business, it's like all of a sudden you have the introduction of so many new things that nobody ever has done before. Everything from an Etsy and Amazon, an online platform, a selling on Instagram, a selling on Pinterest. Like what the hell are these things? 
there's no book to tell you anything. You kind of just, it, they're new every day. So you have to adapt with it also. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That is, yeah, definitely true. Interesting. No, our parents didn't have any of those things. Nobody had that. They didn't. I, I definitely think that like our parents' generation didn't have the challenges and circumstances that we have today. You know, they might not have had some of the opportunities, but they definitely didn't have a lot of the challenges either. Mm. You know, I know you needed shoes. You you went to Miller's Shoes down the street. So yeah. one place. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, and like the world wasn't burning. So <laughs> that, that was so probably that. pretty convenient. Right. You know, the ozone layer, yeah. that thing was pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, And Heidi, yeah. what's your story? And yeah, how did you both meet? Well, um, we met 10 years ago through a mutual friend who just, I guess, both of us were in jobs back then, but we also had our own little entrepreneurial ventures. Uh-huh. And a friend of mine was just like, you guys should meet. I just think you would like each other. And of course we did. And we kind of stayed friends. But here in L.A., it's one of those things, you know, if you don't live close to someone, they might as well be in New York City. Right. Mm. Um, and so something happened where she moved to the neighborhood that I'm in now and I moved here. So we were both in the same neighborhood and we just had, you know, the proximity thing. Um, and I, my background was in media and advertising. I had worked for a bunch of huge publishing companies selling advertising and all of that stuff. And um, kind of similarly to Rena, following the path that, you know, you kind of think you're supposed to go do. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like on paper successful and winning and whatever. But, you know, I wasn't satisfied or fulfilled. I wanted to be doing something that had more meaning and more purpose. I had started um, a project called Hollywood Hippie around um, promoting conscious, um, kind of conscious consumerism, Mm. um, if that is a thing. Mm, (laughs) Um, And and so I had done a a big event and Rena had brought Mei Mei in and um, sold stuff at our event. And uh, yeah, her and I just started spending more time and talking with each other more. And um, we actually, I think this was around the time of, of Trump winning the election and the Me Too movement. Late 2016. Where were yes. you? We all know where we were. Exactly. It's like, wait, exactly. Right. What kind of nervous <laughs> really breakdown like, did you have? Yes, exactly. So we were both equally traumatized and um, just sitting around um, talking about the experience of being a female entrepreneur and and just a female leader in business, period, and confronting... Um, some of the things that we had held as reality, but we were now starting to see were BS, you know? Um, And so her and I just, we both really share a passion for female entrepreneurs and for helping other women. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of found that out as we started bonding more that we'd both started like four different groups for (laughs) female entrepreneurs over the last decade. And (laughs) You know, we were just running on these parallel paths. And yeah. so, um, yeah, we created a line together um, called Boss Lady, uh, partnered with I Am That Girl, which is a charity foundation, a nonprofit yeah. that you guys know them probably. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, we started that line together, a collection together. And I think just the process of creating stuff together and seeing how our different minds could benefit one another was a really fun experiment and 
yeah, like she likes to say, fast forward to now, <laughs> um, three years later, and now I'm a, a partner in the company, and we are, um, you know, really growing on our on our online space and kind of leaning into how to to scale the business and how to really grow bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. So, Rena, what was your thought process when you decided you wanted to have Heidi as your business partner? I think for me, I've always wanted a business partner. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, you know, had Maymay for a while just in the beginning. It's almost like it took years for me to do proof of concept and believe in it. Because I tell people, if you were to hear my story and you were to see me sell Maymay, you almost feel sorry. So you buy something from me. Mm. (laughs) So I was like, what if she just sat in a store? Would she sell? So we, you know, I decided to do wholesale and was really successful with it. So I was like, okay, proof of concept. We actually have a good product. And funny enough, Heidi already, Heidi and I like met up for lunch one day, like out of the blue, randomly. We hadn't seen each other in a while. And she was wearing a freaking Maymay piece. It was the craziest thing. I had no idea. Thing. Good. So good. Did not know and had no idea business. that I even had a jewelry company. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. so And fun. the piece was BU. We remember it because we still have it on our mm-hmm. line because it's a staple. And it's a picture of a little B. And it was BU. And it's like mm-hmm. the world will bombard you with all of these things of the world. But you just really need to understand that you are special. You were born one of one. And you need to be you. Mm. And it... After we started talking, you know, she would have, we would have coffee breaks all the time together. And I was just all like, you know, I started really listening to spirit. I really started getting deep into my spirituality Mm -hmm. and I decided to let go and trust the universe to send me all the signs and all the things I needed. And Heidi kept coming back and it was never a no. It was always just like, damn, yes, yes, yes. And Heidi have this thing. I don't know. Can you cuss on your podcast? It cuss away. (laughs) Okay. So Heidi and I have this thing that if it's not a double fuck, yes, it's a no. And that's how we easily make decisions for our business. It's true. There's no way. It really is. And so when we both decided, like we looked at each other, like, are we going to do this? It was like, fuck yes, you have what I have and I don't have what you have. And yes. So we actually call ourselves Panda. Yeah. So, because you know, it's black and white, kind of yin yang. So, we oh. wear panda suits and have panda socks and slippers. It's the cutest. We're the pandas. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> that's sweet. So I love good. it. That is so good. I think so, that's we really, always yeah. say, like, with entrepreneurs, find your panda because doing it alone sucks. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk about your business, though, and your product because one of the things that makes your product so alluring is the, just the story. Like, every single piece that you come out with has this beautiful story. And you're buying almost like a story and a purpose for someone. Like if I were gifting something, this would feel so personal, personal because of the story yes. behind each thing. Mm. I mean, it's how did you come up? Like how how did you come up with that concept? And like, what did it evolve from? The double fuck yes? Is that is that how you got there? <laughs> no, new, well, new lines. Definite- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so we have a store, we actually have a retail brick and mortar and every day people come into the store and literally within two minutes, people are already crying some days. It's crazy. (laughs) I think we've had months where there was crying every single day in the store because it's a lot. We get to, yeah, we get to experience the actual emotions that people feel that are real. And we we're alchemists. We, what we do is we turn gold and crystals into feelings Yeah, and literally 
your energy when you walk into the store comes into our body. And Heidi and I will look at each other like, damn, a lot of people are feeling lonely right now, mm. like super mm. lonely. Yeah. And yeah. like something will happen for us and then it'll create a peace that will inspire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We kind of design um, from the space of what we feel people are needing or what we're what we're tapping into. And mm-hmm. and then we kind of filter through, like you said, it, there's a lot of things there that can be gifts. Um, so we kind of try to make the messages um, such that they would apply if someone was gifting it to themselves and yeah. wanted to tell themselves that message as yeah. well as if they wanted to give it to someone else. And that can be kind of a hard line to walk, but I think um, the messages are pretty universal where we believe that we're all spirit underneath it all. And we share a lot of the same needs and desires. And um, when you really connect with people on that level, it's almost like there's nothing but common ground to find, you know? Yeah. It's the human experience. I mean, what your products are really describing and fitting are like moments in the human experience. Yeah. And what I really love about your website and your, the experience of shopping for uh, when you're like browsing the jewelry is that you can actually browse by feelings so you can yeah. mm-hmm. you can shop worried and stressed yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah or lost and scared or empowered and vibrant and alive and I think this is beautiful this is something really unique I've never seen before Thank what you. was the inspiration behind thinking of jewelry with these feelings and then actually categorizing like that like that on your website so I think number one, we definitely don't want to be boring. Mm. I think there's so <laughs> much one, jewelry don't out. <laughs> don't be boring because there's so much jewelry out there. There really is. Mm. And it's like as much as we're jewelry, we're really not. We're an adornment on your body. Mm. We're an energy you wear on your freaking body. So if you're feeling worried and stressed right now, and let's say you say, what I really need is some confidence because I need to trust that I make good decisions. Hey, guess what? We made a piece called Confidence and the line says, <laughs> I trust that I make good decisions. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That's the piece I'm, I'm currently wearing. I actually just put it on two days ago mm, uh, because with the pandemic going on right now, we don't know if we're going to be open or closed from day to day. And I really have to trust myself that we are making the best decisions for our business every day based with what we're facing. And I rub the shit out of my necklace. You better believe it right now. (laughs) So how do you um, marry up the symbols and stones with the feeling or emotion or story or whatever you're, you're trying to convey? How do you make those design decisions, if you will? Well, I think uh, it's always a a process and, we kind of design collaboratively a lot mm-hmm. of times. And sometimes it starts, usually we start with the feelings um, that we want to express. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, like Rena and I, we use Slack. And so we'll Slack, we have a whole Slack channel just for like ideas of new pieces that we think need mm-hmm. to be put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really more about the messaging. Like she was saying, oh, we think people feel alone right now. So we would like, okay, come up with, you know, a name, a piece that's for loneliness. Like I got you or something. That's a piece that we created mm-hmm. um, for our boss lady line. And then from there, we'll kind of design at least I think our processes are both a little bit different, but generally I think it's kind of like thinking about how to express that, you know, whether that's like, I got you, it's one circle, a small circle with a bigger circle around it. 
you know? Um, so it's not alone. It's got another one covering over it and protecting it kind of. Um, we did one called I'm Fucking Killing It. <laughs> and it's a, a lariat style necklace. And the design on the bottom kind of looks like an exclamation point. Oh. Um, and that was our intention was to kind of be like, yes, bitch, like killing it. <laughs> like take, went, claim that, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it depends. And then we're really into crystals and, you know, the, spe- the specific energy of different kinds of stones. So we'll also lean into that. Like, um, Rena did a piece called the cure-all that's an amethyst, um, teardrop shape. Mm-hmm. And, the amethyst stone is just really good for healing, for helps with overcoming depression and breaking mm-hmm. um, addictive patterns and addi- addictive thought patterns. And then the teardrop shape is kind of symbolic when you're in a hard time. Sometimes that's how your heart feels. Your heart feels a little sad. Um, and what we want with our pieces, I think, is that you can put this on. Like she said, it's like a wearable affirmation. And when you're putting it on, you're also putting on that feeling of like, okay, this is going to make me feel better. You know, I'm protected. I have this energy to help cure that. And I think just that in and of itself starts to make you feel better. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's so much. There's a lot about um, like a talisman. Mm, Is that exactly. how you say it? Mm-hmm. And, and this yeah, work. I so. <laughs> and I think it's really beautiful. I mean, you're ac- actually offering these little talismans to get through or enjoy or celebrate whatever moment you're in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's different. Yep. It's definitely cool. Um, okay, so... What is like in the future for May May? What are you, how are you, you said you guys don't know if you're going to stay open from one day to the next because of the pandemic. Did you, well, first of all, how did you shift and pivot during this pandemic? Mm. Um, and then what's next for the company? So I, I think we, Fortunately for us last year, we were thinking about shifting really all of our stuff to go a lot online. Mm -hmm. We already had that, you know, redesign the website and go more, more shifting online versus the whole, because our business was a lot of wholesale. Mm -hmm. And so when the time hit in March, we kind of had everything ready to plug in already. Uh, And our store was closed for three months from wow. May to almost, I mean, from March to June. Where is your store located? Atwater Village. Oh, Atwater. Okay, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's not cheap. That's not a cheap rent. No, <laughs> it's not a cheap area. Yeah, better it's believe not, it's not. <laughs> it's not a cheap rent. So you had to close it down for three full months the first yeah. time. Yeah, are you closing it? Is it closing down again or what, where are you guys at? Well, these were mandatory yeah. 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 Right now, the rules for retail are we're allowed to be open um, with 20% capacity. Okay. So, which basically means nothing um, because ultimately they're telling people to stay home. So, yeah. um, you know, people can come and they can shop, and we're certainly there and we're open for it, but it's been very slow. So, it's not that we're day to day afraid that our whole business is going to. Um, go out of business. It's Mm -hmm. more that we really just don't know day to day in terms of what the government orders are going to be for shutdowns. And I think Mm -hmm. Rena and I, part of our pivot 
early on was we just need to release control. Like this idea that we have control, let that go because we don't. (laughs) And what we're going to do is just take it day by day. We're not, we kind of just let go of long-term planning early in the year and just said, let's work with what we're at, where we're at right now. What's the best, most important thing we can do right now? And, you know, gratefully because of that focus, we've been able to grow our Amazon business by 100%, our online business by over 100%, actually almost 200% um, year over year. And so they were smaller parts of our business. That doesn't mean, you know, yeah, we're balling now. But I think it for both of us is encouraging to at least see that, yeah, we made the pivot successfully, I'd say. You know, right. we were able to to just continue on with what we were doing, keep our focus there, and stay nimble. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we're at now. Um, so did yeah. you focus more efforts in, like, social media stuff? Like, how did you pivot? You you said you've been able to grow this these online um, avenues. Like, what were the nuances to doing so? I mean, how did you do it? Is it because more people are just shopping from home? Um, I think it's a combination of things. Rena runs our, she's our social media maven, mm-hmm. our content and culture officer for the off for the business. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, her and I kind of huddled up and I think we were able to, I think she really honed in on a, a new approach with our social media that has definitely been beneficial. Uh-huh. Um, we decided to invest in getting more clear on our brand and our branding, our brand story. And I think that then informed a new direction on social that's been, it feels really aligned Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's working great. And then we just, I mean, quite frankly, with all of the shutdowns, we had to let people go, you know? And so that was pretty devastating for a while there where we, you know, had to, to do all of that. We were, feeling super uncertain. We were working every single day, trying to just keep up with what we did have going on. Yeah. Um, But I think we also kind of realized like this could be an opportunity for us to sort of hit reset on our business. Uh Um, Rena had been, you know, just grinding for so long and gotten it to where it was. We had all this wholesale and all these other things. And it was kind of like, let's just, if we had really got to wipe it clean and had a new slate, a new canvas, how would we build out our team? How would we build out our business? Where where would we want to grow it? Mm-hmm. Um, what parts of it really truly bring us joy? And do we feel our, like she said, our special sauce? Yeah. Um, and so we just leaned into that. And it's like, we we freaking love our customers so much. And so much. This, our love affair with them this year is like, has gone to level 10, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so different. So I think we just leaned into that and we we brought in an SEO expert. We brought in a creative manager to help us execute the things that we don't know how to do um, for them to be smarter than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we found some people like that and just kind of are, are building from scratch in a way. Um, yeah. What do you say, Ree? All All of that. And also, Heidi and I are just natural entrepreneurs, so you know we have a bunch of ideas in our in our sleeve also of new things we want to do. So we're so thinking many. that <laughs> we c- we can we really want to take Mei into a lifestyle brand, yeah, yeah, okay, of, of of some sort because we realize yeah our jewelry is our top seller, 
But we sell a lot of other things now, like crystals and sage and Palo Santo and, Mm -hmm. you know, kids and just things like that. And people are just looking for things to in this sector, if that makes sense. We're kind of like the new age spiritual, but still freaking cool and awesome. Mm, Yeah. And not super woo woo. We're cool hippies. We're like, we're like a new age hallmark. Hippies yeah. of attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I think people like right now, especially in like after big times of upheaval and upheaval and change, which 2020 for the U.S. market especially has had so much upheaval, you know, like everybody, all of your shoppers have experienced the pandemic. Not only that, but they've experienced, you know, um, social unrest and they've experienced an election cycle, which again had family members yelling at each other. It's like the, mm-hmm. 2020 was really a fuck shit stack of a year for everyone. <laughs> and so like people, <laughs> I really was. There's this, Tell you, it. you guys church. Should, I, I, you guys should, have you heard of the, fu- the fuck shit stack? Like, oh my God, Reggie Watts. No. Oh, yeah. everybody no, but Google it. Feels, it. Just, it feels so right. <laughs> I'm look it up right now. I know. Just, yeah. It's but just it, a big fuck shit I discovered it when I was like going through a divorce at 27. There, there's this rapper, Sounds and she, right. he created this, um, uh, you know, rap song, and it was like it was a fuck shit stack. A fuck, and when things just go wrong, I just like put it on, and I'm like, yep, that's another fuck shit stack. <laughs> and awesome. like, Keep going. I have a feeling that's gonna happen at Mei Mei sometime. In the next so good, guys. When you're having a bad day, please put it on and then text me and let me know how you feel. It'll make oh my it God. so much better. That will happen. Um, but so anyway, um, people are really looking for. You guys are hitting something like this. Right now, the cultural zeitgeist is like, we want to feel secure. We want to feel better. We want to feel whole. We want to heal ourselves. Mm. And the product that you're offering and the experience that you're offering really is there. So now it's almost like, where can you expand it? Like, how can you expand that Mm -hmm. experience to Mm -hmm. maybe be like things that you wear and also rituals, like more ritualistic or Mm. things throughout your home? Like, how good would that be? Yeah. No, it's. Definitely in our, I think this is the thing. So Heidi and I are crazy and we do the most. We always say we do the most. Okay. So we are, very few companies are the manufacturer, the distributor and the retailer. Okay. Yes. Very few companies. Okay. But Heidi and I do the most. So we want to be all of them. Not really, but it just happened. Um, (laughs) So we're at the point right now where we're trying to figure out, okay, these are really three big sections of our company. And in which way do we want to do it? What kind of business model is it? And we have we have the latitude to really play and mold it into whatever the fuck we want. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think we want to be a very intentional about that. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's very easy um, as business owners to – just kind of put your head down and keep going. Mm. And then all of a sudden you look up and you realize you just built yourself like kind of a shitty job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's truthfully, that might be where both Rena and I are right now in some ways, but at the same time we are, we do have a plan and we are working our plan. And as long as we stay that course, we know we're building a business um, and that, that will, 
that will manifest in the near future. Um, but you have to have a plan for that. You have to be intentional about that or else mm. you really you really kind of stay on that hamster wheel forever, I think, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think what you said earlier, like, is if it's not a double fuck, yes, it's a no. It's like that's all about you guys really knowing who you are and what you want to put out mm. in the world. And if you can't, like, with all these new ideas, like, you could do anything. But if you can't circle it back to who you are and what you want to put out in the world, it doesn't make sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, and it's also, um, that really is about trust, Yeah, I think, um, between us as partners. And that's why, you know, she was saying, we tell people, find your panda, you know, because, yeah. look, you know, if you want to be in business by yourself, more power to you, do the damn thing. You can do it. <laughs> I believe in you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But especially for women, um, our needs and wants and desires inside of business are different than mm. men's oftentimes. Mm. And partnership really makes a lot of sense for, especially for women. Mm-hmm. But it only works if you go into it with that mindfulness and like real acceptance of one another's gifts um, and acceptance of our own, you know, weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like our focus is really on strengths. We, we kind of did a strengths test uh-huh. Um, early on to sort of understand ourselves and each other. Like a personality test kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. And then, um, and we just really try to to do our best to trust each other and to lean into each other's strengths and accept each other fully and completely. And I think that's kind of the secret sauce that makes our partnership work for our business and for ourselves personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Our business is never going to be more important than than we are. Absolutely, I, I think that's a really that's a really good takeaway advice for people listening who are thinking about starting a partnership with someone for a business or in one at the moment. Is actually you know looking at strengths and weaknesses and and thinking about that really carefully and how you can like come together to bring out the best in each other and be the panda because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you might have like a few clashes but mm-hmm. you just want to get back to like chewing on the eucalyptus I know that's quite <laughs> <laughs> I love that excellent, excellent work Sylvie bring it back bring it back this yes. is how good job buddy. Good job. I love it I see it I see your fan it's so cute so I've, I'm wondering so um, you're in about over four, 500 stores now now as well aren't you with Maymay is that right yeah Yeah. I mean we we've been in over a thousand stores in the past five years wow I'm just as as business owners and like coming into this and, and you know being able to get to the point where you're in 500 stores can you describe that journey and any advice you have for people listening who have got their own product line whether it's you know handbags or or jewelry or clothes or how how do you but get stockists, like what's that, what does that look like? And any advice? So number one, you have to be a little crazy. So if you check that box then okay, let's go. Number, <laughs> the first thing I always tell people when they want a wholesale is you have to know what your margins are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, because wholesale takes the biggest freaking chunk ever. And then you're left and you're like, oh my God, I did all that work and I have $73. Like, no. Mm. So once you know that, then you have to know where do you want to sell to? Like, who are your buyers? Like, where are those people actually shopping? Mm-hmm. So I knew that my buyer was between the age of 35 and 45. And she was shopping at places. She does, she does yoga. She gets massages. Mm-hmm. Um, she it cares about her sister and her parents so much. 
So I was like, okay, she probably goes to this, this, that. So I was like, well, where do those people buy from? And then you have to find what are those trade shows or who are, where are those places? Mm -hmm. And so back in the day, trade shows were very popular, even just five (laughs) years ago. So I would go to all the trade shows. Right. And um, what I found was I wanted to stand out. So I, the first big, big trade show I did was the International Spa Association show in Las Vegas. Um, And there it was like, it was all, when you think of the spa, you think of face creams and lotions and all this stuff. There were all those sellers. Guess how many jewelry vendors there were out of 500? Mm. Three. And I was one of them. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, duh, that just makes so much sense. So I killed the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously you have to have a really dynamic salesperson who like, you have to sell the buyer. That's what it really is. You have to just woo them with your like remembrance of who you are. Mm, Yeah. So you do that and then you follow up like a motherfucker. That's it. You send (laughs) 72 emails to get that one build. But like, I'll give you an example. One of our, our really favorite accounts is being sold at the Disney Aulani. Okay. We're so excited because it was just, you know, Disney. they have the biggest gatekeeper there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, to be able to be sold, and we even did a private collection with them. Wow. It was really something so spectacular. But my head was like, who are my buyers? Where do they actually shop? Because retail stores don't exist barely anymore. You guys, gift shops don't exist. Yeah. But you know what does? Nice spas and hotels exist all over the world. Mm, and yeah. they all have retail. Yeah. So I would say get smart, figure out little odds and ends. Like what if it's a museum yeah. that could carry your stuff? Because that's the biggest gift shop in the world right now that sells the most stuff Mm, so yeah yeah. that's what I would tell people find a niche and and just go after those buyers yeah you know the travel that's such a smart move business-wise like the genius try it is genius the whole travel and pick something up and oh this is from the time we were in Barbados and Mm. whatever that Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful (laughs) like everybody loves that I do that all the time yeah that's really like that's like thinking strategically about your buyer persona and and what their motivations are, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah, that. And then also like thinking about some of the non-obvious places where you can get them, where yeah. you can get that shopper. Yeah. That's really like, you know, that's a chance for you to stand apart. If you're selling in a if you're selling soap and you go and sell your soap next to 20 other soap sellers, that might not be the best place for you, yeah. you know, yeah. when you're just starting out. But if you go and sell where there's nobody else selling that product, your chances are going to be better, I think, as long as you're you're still hitting the right kind of buyer. Mm. Mm. Thoughts on trade shows now, 2021 and well, beyond? Well, I mean, post-COVID, <laughs> not, not now. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you are know, a lot of new websites like FAIR. Yeah. That's basically the wholesale of Amazon, the wholesale marketplace like mm. Amazon huh. does. So. I think those are definitely going to become way more popular. You know, I think the pandemic actually has created a pretty major shift too in terms of wholesale. The model has really not been very favorable to makers for a long time. Yeah. Um, We're expected to put up all of the overhead and you go out to these trade shows and you get these big orders and you buy all this stuff and you fill, you get everything ready and then they cancel the order. And there's plenty of brands who've been completely taken down because of just not tackling wholesale properly. And I think with the pandemic, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of brands 
um, especially the ones that are conscious or who are a little bit more, you know, have more control of their supply chain like we do, who have just decided to opt out of wholesale altogether. Right. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, we're not there yet, but... I think that when you when you look at the model overall and what's available through these online platforms like Fair or like Amazon or whatever, you have the chance to get out to so many more shoppers without having to deal with that overhead of creating a special wholesale catalog and updating it twice a year and going to all the trade shows and paying all the expenses for that and commissions to all these different salespeople that you're managing all over the country and mm. showrooms and... Um, the showroom fees. <laughs> so it gets to be really Blech. costly to wholesale. Yeah. yeah. we. <laughs> that's how we feel about it right now. She just gave you a, an audio of our feelings. <laughs> so how are you feeling it's about It's just that? not really okay. that rewarding. Um, and for us, especially, we, we just found that we get so much more fulfillment out of the direct-to-customer relationship. Yeah. Um, we love our wholesalers too, but then buyers are changing all the time and you're starting with someone new and it's just not the same. We don't, we don't, we just don't like it as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet like you get so much more like feedback from your own customers then as well, which obviously helps. Oh, totally. Mm. It's amazing. It helps us know, you know, what they want more of or less of. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see all of the different effects that will come from from this pandemic. But I definitely think the wholesale model overall is is changing. Um, mm-hmm. And other business owners would be would be well off to probably consider their end consumer first and how to start building their brand awareness there um, before they start worrying about wholesale just because you, you really have to have your margins down to an exact science for, for wholesale to be worth it at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then what, is it like 30% margin that they take or is that? I think oh, it depends yeah. on the, on the store. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> is it usually like 50, 50 or, or yeah, more? It's, it's, yeah. They're usually looking yeah. for a full markup, you know? So if you buy it for 10, you want to sell it for 20 or more. Oh, wow. Okay. Which with mm-hmm. jewelry, like if you, you're you yeah. getting into things, like they'd be selling yeah. products for double. I mean, yeah. it's right. interesting. And then whatever wholesale price you put, they're also oftentimes expecting room for discounting if I purchase more or, um, you know, there, there's just a lot of other additional costs that go into it on top of that, that smaller margin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. If you could go back in time three or four years just before you started May May Jewelry and came together what would you tell your younger self it's a sage piece of advice <laughs> Rena damn <laughs> I'm glad she has to go first on this one <laughs> yeah you know what I would tell her I'm really freaking proud of you Aww. like keep going every decision you're making is bringing us right to here, and God damn it, we're fucking happy. It's just fucking good. Like, you're dope as fuck, I would tell her. Like, don't ever, ever, ever forget that because every every decision you make is perfect. Aww. It's great. That's brilliant. Yeah. Hype yourself up. <laughs> Back yourself. Love it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess kind of, I still feel like I'm in the midst of, of this blurry year that we're in. I think I would just tell her that like it's all it's all happening 
it's all happening. Like you can't see what's happening yet, but it is happening. And you may not understand why this right now, but you will in a few years. So just keep going. It's all good. It's all happening. And P.S., you know more than you think you do. Because I think (laughs) every day we're learning and sometimes it's like you, you don't know how much you don't know. Right. And so once you start getting into it, you're like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Constantly just staying a student. And and so you never really feel like, you know, what's what you're doing or what's going on because you're on to the next thing already. Um, And I'm kind of in this space now where I'm I'm just really embracing that. Like, I'm so grateful to be inside of a place in my life, in my career where I'm being challenged and I get to learn new things all the time versus being in one where I felt like, oh, this is just boring to me now and unfulfilling. Like where I'm at now, I'm, I'm getting to learn every day. I feel purpose in what I'm doing. And I think you just get to like be grateful for all of that and Mm. be okay with not knowing. Like not knowing is okay. Yeah, that's such good advice. Oh, like just mm-hmm. number one, you're going to be okay. And number two, it's mm-hmm. okay to not know. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. such good life advice, yeah. period. Yeah. But especially yeah. in business, because you'll never make you'll never make the leap if you need to know exactly what's going to happen. Never, never. I never would have. Yep. Yeah. I never would have. I would have stayed in those jobs making the six figures and just stacking chips and being miserable. Feeling empty. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Waiting well, I'm for that so next glad. trip or that next thing, you know, to, yeah. to give you relief. But yeah, that's no way to live. Every day, you know, is an opportunity and a moment to be celebrated. And you get to be in action on what matters to you. Mm-hmm. So do it. Make the leap. I love it. Well, you guys, it has been so fun talking to you. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Do you ship worldwide? Tell us. (laughs) Sure do. Where can we find you? (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, where can people shop your products? Yeah, so the best place to go is our website on www.maymayjewelry, spelled M-A-E-M-A-E-J-E-W-E-L-R-Y.com. And I spell out jewelry because it is such a misspelled word, and I totally get it because even I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's spelled differently in um, the so UK in as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that explains yeah. it. Yes. Double L <laughs> and E-R-Y. Jewelry. Jewelry. <laughs> so they've got to put yeah, some Yeah, those are part on. of our keywords. <laughs> yeah, or follow us on Instagram, um, at Maymay Jewelry on Instagram, and you'll see Rena um, doing her dancing and every once in a while our panda costumes, and <laughs> we, we try to share our journey there, so... So yeah, good. we're super real and super raw there. Love it. It's been an amazing interview. I, th- I feel like it's been a super real and super raw interview as well. And I have <laughs> sent you guys my favorite comedic rap song. <laughs> yes! I, I already have you. it pulled up. I'm just waiting to play it as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> Fuck so, shit. Stat. Oh, it's so <laughs> and microphone drop. We're out. <laughs> just dance your way through the end of 2020. Well, I, I'm wishing you guys a very successful holiday season. And we're keeping in Thank touch. You. And I'm sending you LinkedIn invites right now. Yay. Love it. Thank Thank you you so much. Bye. 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 This podcast was brought to you by Invoice to Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. 
Because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.